Good morning, pastors and ministry leaders. Thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. My name is Shegun Ayegusi, and I am a pastor and founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos in Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. The Nigerian Pastors Podcast is the audio ministry of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network, and we aim to achieve two goals through this podcast. One, we want to minister to the pastor's heart and stir up in you a greater love for Jesus Christ. The fact is, when a pastor is in awe and in love with Jesus Christ, it will result in emotionally and spiritually healthy ministry leaders who lead thriving churches. And our second goal through this podcast is to equip you with practical biblical teaching for ministry so that you can grow in your knowledge of God's Word and become more effective in preaching and teaching through the Bible. It is our ongoing prayer that the Holy Spirit of God accomplishes both of these goals in your life as you listen along. Welcome again, and thank you for listening. Well, I want to welcome you to today's podcast. Uh, Very excited about this one because um, in today's episode, we are in part three of our eight-part podcast series about the end times or what we call eschatology in theological terms. Now, in last week's podcast, we actually talked about, uh, we began the series by talking about the next prophetic event on the calendar that Christians are waiting for, a, a supernatural event known as the rapture. And and in last week's podcast, we described how Christ will suddenly remove, you know, in one single moment, every Christian in the world to join him in the sky. That's what the rapture is. We talked about how Christ will resurrect all Christians who have already died in Christ. And then we also made a distinction between the rapture and the actual second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, in today's episode, we are going to discuss a, um, we're going to continue in that vein, in that vein of the end times, but we're going to be talking about this mysterious future individual who has intrigued Christians for many years. I mean, not in a good way, but but um, that have intrigued Christians since the New Testament was written. Today, we're talking about the person of the Antichrist and his arrival on the world scene. Now, uh, let let me set up today's teaching by referring you back to the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in the city of Thessalonica, because in last week's episode, we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and Paul's teaching about the rapture. Well, after the book of 1 Thessalonians was written, shortly after it was written, apparently some false teachers had forged another letter claiming to be from Paul, falsely claiming to be from Paul, and claiming to the Christians, remember they were young believers at this church in Thessalonica, and this false letter was basically telling them, discouraging them, saying, hey, the rapture has already happened. You guys already missed it, and and, and y'all have been left behind. And so, because of this wrong uh, letter the per- and the persecution that they were facing, man, they, they were just really at a really low point spiritually, right? You, you can imagine how all of this would have created just a, a, a panic in their hearts. Well, that's why Paul writes 2 Thessalonians to re-encourage them. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 and 12, Paul basically writes 
not only to remind and encourage them again that they had not yet missed the rapture, but that even if the Antichrist, that when the Antichrist shows up, it would be unmistakable uh, because now you can imagine how all of this would have created another round of panic among these young Christians, right? And so in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 and 12, Paul is writing not only to remind and encourage them again that they had not yet missed the rapture, but that the Antichrist must actually rise to power first, be seen on the world stage, and that his arrival, the Antichrist arrival on the world stage, would be the indicator that they were now living in what's known as the day of the Lord. That phrase, the day of the Lord, it's often referring to the end times of judgment. Well, here's what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1 to 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation version. Here's what he says. Paul says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual uh, a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, verse 3, don't be fooled by what they say. For that day, he's speaking about the day of the Lord, that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness, remember that phrase, the man of lawlessness, is revealed, the one who brings destruction. Verse 4, Paul says, And this man will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, right? Verse 6, he says, For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. The man, um, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Some versions describe in verse 7 when it says, the one who is holding it back. Some versions say the one who is restraining him. Back. Remember that phrase, the one who is restraining him back is taken out the way. Verse 8, it says, Then when the restrainer is removed, then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus Christ will slay him with his breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. And this man will come to do the work of Satan. That's the man of lawlessness. He'll come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. And he will use every kind of deception to fool those who are already on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Verse 11. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing truth. So from this passage, obviously, I hope you began to see that Paul is actually addressing a specific concern they had. He's saying, hey, the rapture hasn't happened yet because several things need to happen. In fact, Paul says one of the key things that need to happen would be um, three things. He says three aspects to the that will precede or that will be part of the revealing of the Antichrist 
to the world stage. He says, first of all, will be what he describes as a worldwide rebellion against God. The second thing will be what he describes as the removal of the restrainer, the one who was holding it back, steps out the way. And then the third one, he says, the unveiling of the man of lawlessness. And and one of the and so let's look at each one of them, right? Because those are the things that Paul essentially says need to happen before the Antichrist steps onto the world stage. The first one Paul says will happen, or the first thing Paul says will happen is this worldwide rebellion against God. Verse three, look at it again. Paul says to the Thessalonians and really to us, he says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day, that's the day of the Lord, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. So um, in the original language of Greek that the New Testament was written, the word that's used for rebellion in that passage is the Greek word apostasia. It's where we get the English word apostasy or apostate from. It means to revolt against or to rebel against a formerly held religious belief. In fact, if you remember in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus Christ was asked by his disciples, they said, what will be the sign of the coming and the end of the age? And Jesus says to them in Matthew 24 that one of the key indicators of the end times will be this. He says, and at that time, Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So you take those two together and we begin to see that towards the end of the age, there will be this just rebellion and just a closed-offness to God. Now, the funny thing is, throughout church history, there have always been apostates and false teachers and people turning away uh, from the church. Even like right now in 2021, half of the preachers on YouTube and our TV are not preaching the gospel, but simply building their own kingdom. And they got millions and millions of followers who've swallowed their false messages. But even as bad as those are, the rebellion that is yet to come that will surround the arrival of the Antichrist will be a lot worse than what we're seeing today. You see, Paul is telling us in verse 3 that there's a time coming in our future, future to 2021, and there's a time coming in our future when there will rise to the world stage a powerful man of lawlessness who will cause there to be a worldwide just mass turning away from God. I mean, if you are bothered by how much people are rebelling against God today, it's going to be worse on that day. And by the way, that kind of worldwide rebellion has not yet happened on a global scale because there are still men and women uh, across the globe who love the Lord Jesus Christ and who are still impacting their communities and societies with the gospel. And so when we think about the future and, and what would trigger such an event where there would be a mass, I mean, unmistakable worldwide rebellion against God. Well, the only scenario that I can imagine in my limited understanding that would trigger such a worldwide rebellion against God is if all of a sudden, in one moment, every true follower of Jesus Christ were to be suddenly removed from earth. Aha! Now, in that kind of scenario, that would, be, that would create a perfect storm from which an antichrist figure could rise to power, rise to influence, and deceive 
people to essentially rebel against God. How how dare, you know, somehow convince people like, how dare God remove them who are, and, and basically make God look really evil to the remaining world who are distraught. It's that kind of scenario that the Antichrist will thrive in. And that scenario is what we describe as Christians as the rapture. This worldwide rebellion will be the first aspect surrounding the future appearance of the Antichrist. That's what Paul is explaining to the Thessalonians. The second thing that will surround the arrival of the Antichrist on the world scene following the rebellion of people against God will be what the scripture describes as the removal of someone known as the restrainer. Let me read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 to 8 to you again. Here's what it says. Paul says, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Verse 5, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you of these things? Verse 6, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the And it's in verse 7, here's our key verse. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work in the world, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out the way. That's where we get the restrainer from. You see, in verse 7, Paul is saying that the reason that the judgment day, the day of the Lord has not yet happened, and the reason why the law, man of lawlessness, that's the Antichrist, has not yet been revealed is because someone is holding him back. Someone is restraining him in the same way that you would use a rope or a leash that's tied to a dog's neck to keep the dog back from attacking. So the question is, who, who is this restrainer in verse 7 that Paul is referring to? Like, who is this person who's holding back the lawlessness, the man of lawlessness from appearing on the world stage and deceiving billions of people to rebel against God? Well, several biblical evidence points to the Holy Spirit as the restrainer. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's the one... Um, for a couple of reasons. Number one is that um, the, the, the restraint that's being held on this lawlessness, spirit of lawlessness, requires omnipotent power. Omnipotence means all-powerful. And in order for the enemy to be held back from deceiving millions or billions around the world, there is a mighty power holding him back. And like I said, every indication from scriptural biblical passages is that this is the Holy Spirit because he's the only thing strong enough to hold back the worldwide outbreak of evil under the Antichrist who, make no mistake about it, is indwelt by Satan himself. You see, the Holy Spirit possesses omnipotent power. That's why 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You see, as a follower of Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence in your heart. He is a guarantee of your salvation, and he lives in you. And Scripture says he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Not only that, but passages like Galatians 5, 16 to 17 shows us that the Holy Spirit is the one who currently is restraining evil, both on the world stage and even in the heart of Christians in Genesis, Genesis 6, verse 3, and Galatians 5, 16. Now, let's dig a little bit more into this question of the restraint of being the Holy Spirit, because uh, let me ask you this question. 
in, in whom has God sent the Holy Spirit to indwell today and work through today? I think any Bible student will tell you that starting from Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit's primary ministry has been through Christians through the church. All right, that's why 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, God set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You know, so, so like the, the Holy Spirit, the, the restrainer is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit indwells the church. I, I know that many of us are in the habit of asking God to, to send his spirit and pour out his spirit to change our nation, to change our lands, to touch the lives of the Muslims around us. But guess what? God has already given you his Holy Spirit and he already lives in you, within you. He has been there since the day you put your faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit within you possesses all the power and the influence that you need to impact your neighbors, your community, and your nation. In other words, you don't need more of the Holy Spirit. Rather, the Holy Spirit needs more of you. It's not like we, some of us get half Holy Spirit, some of us get you know, full-time Holy Spirit. We all get the same Holy Spirit. The issue is how open is your life to having him have every area of your life? That's the issue, right? Like the Holy Spirit needs you and I, the Holy Spirit, singular, the Holy Spirit needs you to lay down more areas of your life to his leading and to his prompting. The Holy Spirit needs you to use your spiritual gifts that he's placed in your life to serve the church and expand the kingdom. The Holy Spirit needs you to love your neighbor, even the bad ones, and tell them about Jesus so that he can take up residence in their lives and change them too. So listen to me on this. You know, the mission of the church of Jesus Christ on earth is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to live it out in the presence of our neighbors. Like, like your, so let me, let me put together the restrainer, how he lives in us and everything I just said, because your church in your community and as Christians, y'all, you are the primary instrument through which the Holy Spirit is using to restrain evil in the world and using to restrain the appearance and the reign of the Antichrist. Let me say that again. As a Christian, as a pastor, and as a church, your presence in your community is the primary instrument through which the Holy Spirit is using to restrain evil and the appearance of the Antichrist. Listen, there's bad things happening in the world. There's no doubt about that. And there's evil happening almost on a daily basis where innocent people are being killed. But here's the reality. It could get a lot worse, and it will get a lot worse in the end times when believers, when the presence of the Holy Spirit is completely removed. Scripture says in Matthew 5, 13, verse 16, Jesus says, you as a Christian, as a church, as a pastor, you are the salt of the earth. Salt brings flavor. It preserves. It enhances. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, which is funny because we're asking Jesus to give us more of him. And he's saying, you already have it. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit, both individually and corporately. And understand this. The enemy, Satan, wants more than anything else to run loose, to run wild. And his mission statement, 
If you want to know, the demons and Satan's mission statement is to kill, steal, and destroy anything or anyone that bears a hint of the glory of God. But what he especially wants to do is place in the world a man of lawlessness, place in world power a man of lawlessness who will bring the whole world under one rule, under his control. But, and that's a big but, the restrainer, the omnipotent Holy Spirit of God who indwells you as a Christian and who indwells believers in your church is what is keeping Satan from overstepping his divinely ordained boundaries. You know, some of you may be the only Christian in your family or the only Christian in your community or the only Christian in your school or village or <laughs> you may be the only Christian in your church, depending on what kind of church you're going to, right? And you may be feeling discouraged. But here's the deal. Consider for a second that, that is, it, is it possible that while you're discouraged that you're the only one there, is it possible that in God's sovereign plan, God has decided that he has placed you where you are. He has strategically placed you where you are because the presence of the Holy Spirit in you is what's keeping evil from completely going wild in that community and bringing chaos. Like you may not be aware of it, but your presence in your school, in your church, wherever you are, is bringing the light of Christ into it. And were you not there, circumstances might be a whole lot worse. All of your prayers and your loving actions towards your neighbor is in one way or another pushing back the darkness and keeping evil in check in those places. You know, the Bible says you are all children of light in this spiritually dark world and light always casts out darkness. Please don't forget in the midst of this dark world, the scripture says that greater is the spirit of God who lives in you as a Christian than the darkness in the world. Now, we're, we're going to actually wrap up the first part of the Antichrist. This, this talk, so the, our whole podcast on the arrival of the Antichrist is actually two episodes. And, and we're going to wrap it up for now because I don't want to overwhelm you. For now, I want you to just sit and consider these two things that will precede the arrival of the Antichrist. Now, what I would like us to wrap up with is, is for us, to, for you to answer the question, how can you be a gospel light to your neighbors? Like, like, how can you be a gospel light to the non-Christians around you? What, what needs have you identified um, in your community that God has equipped you to meet? I say all of that because time is, a, is in constant motion. It's constantly moving forward and, and prophecies continually being, is almost being fulfilled until the arrival of Christ. You and I want to be prepared, not only for the return of Christ, but to prepare others for the return of Christ. So let's stop being so inward focused and become outward focused and, and, and make disciples of those that God's already placed in our lives and go beyond our comfort zones and tell people about Jesus. We're going to pick up this episode next week, continue to talk about the arrival of the Antichrist, the third thing that will precede his arrival, and we will discuss that next week. I want to thank you so much for joining us, and uh, may God bless you. Have a beautiful week. Thanks again for listening to the Nigerian Pastors Podcast. 
For more information about our ministry, uh, you could visit our website, www.thegatheringfaithleadership.network. We are a pastoral training ministry in the city of Jos, Plateau State, Nigeria, and our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. If you enjoyed this week's podcast and were blessed by it, there are one of two ways you can be a blessing to us in return. One, you can subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us and leave an encouraging review. Man, give us some great stars uh, telling us how much you enjoyed our podcast. That would mean a lot to us. And then two, you can actually visit the episode page of this week's podcast and share it on any of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, wherever, and let your friends know about us. We truly appreciate you and hope you were blessed by this. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you up with you next week. Stay close to Christ. Mm-hmm.